greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight every crooked path. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our broadcast today, we shall be discussing faith killers. We shall be looking at those things that weaken and even kill our faith toward God. But before we get into that, let's do a very quick review of what we discussed in our last broadcast. We had gone through a checklist to see if we are still in the faith towards God, if our faith is still in God or if our faith is in someone else or something else. We said we should check our affection, our acquisitions, our allegiance. If you group those three together, it's talking about our hearts, where our hearts lie. Is our heart towards God or is our heart towards the world, the earth or some other mundane things? Then we looked at our assurance. In whom is your confidence? Where have you placed your confidence? In what are you assured? Then we asked concerning your acknowledgement. Do you acknowledge God in everything that you do? Is God taking cognizance of in every single decision that you have to make in your everyday living? Then finally, we spoke about your approval and your aversion. We can group those two as who are you trying to please? Because if you're trying to please someone, you are seeking the approval of that person. And if you're trying to please someone, then you want to hate what that person hates. So your approval and your aversion. And we said that these seven things culminate to tell us whether our faith is still towards God or is towards something else. With that said, let's dive straight into what we want to discuss today. And we trust the Holy Spirit that he will speak to us. He will challenge us, he will chastise us where need be. But more importantly, he will bring that needed change to our lives and bring revival into our spirit, man. So we want to ask, what are the things that weaken or kill our faith toward God? When we were defining faith at the beginning of this discourse, some weeks ago now, we looked at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, which tells us that faith is the substance or the assurance that we have, the things that we hope for. The things that God has spoken to us about will happen, that it will surely happen. We also went on to say that faith is the evidence or the conviction that we have that the unseen world is real. It exists, that it is there. Even though we don't see it, yet we have an evidence by faith that they do exist. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible makes a very interesting statement there. It says, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So essentially what we're saying is faith is basically about the unseen. It's about the things that we cannot see, yet we believe. If you can see it, it is not faith. When Thomas did not believe after he was told that the Lord had appeared to the disciples, 10 of the other apostles had told Thomas that the Lord had appeared to them. Some other disciples had told him, but he refused to believe. Then the Lord appeared and he said, I believe. Now, this is the Lord's statement in John chapter 20, verse 29 to Thomas and to us also. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, this is very important because it's a matter of faith. But if we read further down, verse 30 and 31, John the Gospeler writes, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So faith is about believing what we can't see, but believing what we hear from God. Remember, faith cometh by hearing, not by seeing, and hearing by the word of God. Not by hearing just anything, but by hearing the word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Peter presses home this important truth. In verse 8, it says, Whom, that's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Now, this is the very essence of faith. If what you are believing is something that you can see, then it ceases to be faith. But if it is something that you are not seeing, but you are believing on the strength of the word of God, then we are talking about faith. And that faith is towards God because it is the word of God that is being relayed to us. With that at the back of our minds, we want to now press in to looking at faith killers. Let me read Romans chapter 4 from verse 17 to verse 22. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. He's talking about Abraham. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, that is what God had promised, God was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. In these passages, we see facts, and we also see faith. Abraham was about a 100 years old, fact. His body was dead. Fact. Sarah's womb was dead. Fact. Whether it was biological or otherwise. Fact. However, the Bible says that he did not waver at the promise of God. The promise of God came by the word of God to him. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Unbelief is believing what you can see or ascertain physically, medically, scientifically, or otherwise over what God says. Unbelief does not mean that you don't believe something. Unbelief simply means you believe those things over and above the word of God. So when something is placed before you and the word of God is spoken about something, you believe what is placed before you over the word of God. Remember when we defined faith, we said it is the evidence of things not seen. Fact is the evidence of things that you can see. Faith is the evidence of things that you cannot see. If you believe only what you see, then you are believing facts and therefore you are non-believer. You have a disease called unbelief. So essentially, fact is a faith killer. Fact is like the stem of a tree and has many offshoots. And we are going to look at the offshoots. But fact is the main stem that is bringing weakness and death to the faith of many believers. Because they believe the fact. They have no faith in the word of God. They believe what they see. So the Bible tells us here that Abraham did not slack in his faith towards God. In spite of all the facts that were laid before him. So one of the things that weakens and kills the faith of believers is unbelief. Believing what you can see over 
what the word of God says. Facts breed unbelief and it kills faith. The Bible talks about Abraham looking at his present circumstance. That is another faith killer. A lot of times we look at our circumstance rather than the word of God. We look at what we are going through rather than what God is saying. In fact, sometimes we are so focused on the present circumstance, we are deaf to the word of God. And so our faith is weakened and sometimes eventually killed. Another branch of facts is science. Science is knowledge based on empirical evidence. That is proven evidence, tested evidence. When you're a scientist and you conduct an experiment, you document your experiment, somebody else should be able to take that experiment and replicate it somewhere else and get the same result. That is what science is about. So science is essentially knowledge based on not just empirical evidence, but also observation. But we must remember that when we talk about the kingdom of God, the Lord Jesus Christ said the kingdom of God does not come by observation. So science is opposed, as it were, to the kingdom of God and to the issue of faith. Sometimes we may see as though science agrees with faith, but the truth of the matter is that they are opposed to one another because science is based on facts. Faith is based on hearing from God. Science is based on repeated procedure to achieve the same result. Faith is based on God doing what he wants to do. For example, when you read the scriptures concerning the opening of blind eyes by the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't repeat one anytime. To one, he said, go, be it unto you according to your faith. To another, he touched the eyes, the man's eyes opened. To another, he spat on the man's eyes. It opened, he said to the man, what do you see? The man said, I see men like trees. He said, no. He then touched the man's eyes and the man could see. He said, oh, I see clearly. To another fellow, he spat on the ground, made mud, put on the fellow's eyes and said, go and wash at the pool. The man washed and came back seeing. Did the same thing different ways. That is not science. And that's not magic. That is faith. When it comes to the raising of the dead, we saw him raise Jairus' daughter who had just died. We saw him raise the son of the widow of Nain who was on the way to being buried. So that means he had died quite some time. And then we saw him raising Lazarus who had been dead for four days. The same thing. But he did it in different ways. There was a time when he was feeding 5,000 with two pieces of fish and uh, I think five loaves of bread. And then he was feeding 4,000 with about seven loaves of bread and some small pieces of fish. The same thing, but he did it different ways. It's not science. Science is a faith weakener, a faith killer. You go to the hospital. The doctor checks your pulse and says, man, you have less than three weeks to live. Fact based on science, based on his observation, based on his machine. Then God says to you, ignore that. You are not going to die. You are going to live to declare my word. The question is, who do you believe? Whose report do you believe? And there was a song like that in the, in the 90s. Whose report would you believe? And they said, we shall believe the report of the Lord. But that's not the case. Many people are in trepidation when they hear from science, when they hear from medical doctors, when they hear from other sources apart from God. They put facts ahead of the word of God because fact is something they can see. It's something they can explore. And their faith becomes weakened if not killed. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not to lean on something. We said is to have faith in that thing, to depend on it, to rely on it. He says, do not depend on your own understanding. Do not trust your understanding. Trust instead in God. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Reasoning and rational thinking is a faith weakener and a faith killer. Many of us trust in our own understanding. We try to reason things out. We try to rationalize things. We try to be logical. 
with things. And in doing so, we are weakening our faith. Faith is illogical. Faith defies human thinking. Faith goes beyond all of that. People will tell you, can't you think? Don't you have a brain? But that's not faith. Faith does not depend on thoughts. Faith depends on God. We must understand it. It depends on God. Is God asking us to be foolish? No. However, when God makes a statement, it will make us look like we are foolish. That's why the Bible says that the foolishness of God is wiser than men. God has a way of saying things. It is foolish to a man. And yet, that is how salvation would come. That is how deliverance will come. That is how the life that God has promised or the things that God has promised, that is how it would come. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, this God speaks, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. God says, the way I think is not the way you think. He told Samuel, when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint a king, when he saw the first son of Jesse, he looked at the guy's build, his stature, comparable to the king Saul that he was going to be replaced. Said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. The Lord said, no, that's not, they have not chosen him. The Lord does not look on the outward as men look. God looks at the heart. This one I have rejected. Six others passed and God said, no, not one. The one that was to be anointed was not even present in that place. They had to go and bring him from the field. And when he came, God said, now rise up. This is the one. And who was this person that came? He was a boy, a teenager, who was not even qualified to be in the army of Israel. He was the one that was anointed to become king. It doesn't make sense. But God knows what he's doing. Even though he anointed this 17-year-old, he didn't climb to the throne until he was 40. For Judah, 33. But over Israel, until he was 40. So a span of 23 years. God's ways are not our ways. He goes on. He says, Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There are some things you can never explain to a three-year-old. He won't understand it, no matter how much you try to. Man's mind is finite. God is infinite. And so you cannot understand God. You just have to trust him. That's why that scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Throw off your understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. In all, not some of your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. Reasoning, rational thinking, they will kill your faith. Science will weaken your faith and kill your faith. Your present circumstance will weaken and kill your faith. Unbelief will weaken and kill your faith. In Mark chapter 5, we see another branch of fact that weakens and possibly kills people's faith. Verse 35 and 36. This is the story of Jairus who came to the Lord and told the Lord that his daughter was at the point of death. And the Lord said, okay, I'll follow you. And as the Lord was walking with him, a woman with issue of blood came and touched the Lord's garment. So there was a delay there where he was trying to find out who has touched me and so on and so forth. Whilst he was attending to the issue of this woman and telling the woman that go, you are whole and this and that. Around that time, people came from Jairus' home. So let's read verse 35 and 36. It says, while he was still speaking, that's why the Lord Jesus was still speaking. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, that's Jairus' house, who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Fear will make your faith fly out the window within seconds. No wonder the psalmist said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. Fear comes as fright, alarm, leading to hopelessness, helplessness, despair, dejection, discouragement. These things kill your faith. And so the Lord Jesus quickly turned to him before he was consumed 
by that fear. Say, do not be afraid. Trust me. Trust me. And I'm saying to somebody here today, what time fear comes upon you? Stop being afraid. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your faith will soar. What fear does is that it comes to cripple you. It keeps you rooted to a spot. You can't think straight anymore. All you look at is the hopelessness of the situation and you can't move forward. And it comes there and begins to cripple and begins to cripple. If you are not careful, before you know what's happening, your faith flies out and is dead completely. You must never allow fear to dominate your life. Rather, trust God in everything. Whatever it is that God has spoken to you, trust that word. Don't trust what you are seeing with your eyes. Because that is what fact does. Fact will turn your head and say, look at it. Fact will tell you about statistics. Facts will tell you about what is going on. You will have all the details. You have all the information. But when God speaks, he speaks only his word. You may not have any information. You may not know how he's going to do it. You will not know when he's going to do it. Just believe what he says. In 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned, the king trusted this man, the king depended on this man, he relied on this man, answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Israel had been under siege and it was so bad, women were killing their children and eating. Some people were eating the dung of doves and these things were expensive. You paid for it. It was that bad. And so the king wanted to kill Elisha because he blamed Elisha for the famine. Eventually, Elisha said to the king, this is what the Lord says. Within 24 hours, there will be overabundance of food in Samaria. Of course, the expert here said to the man of God, what are you talking about? Let me tell you something that you don't understand about agriculture. You are not going to plant something this morning and it will yield in the evening. Even if God were to open the windows of heaven, how can it happen? If we are talking of economics or trade, we will have to tell other countries that, oh, our borders are now open. It will take time for them to ship goods to us. You see, Mr. Prophet, we are a net importer of things in this country. So what you are saying cannot happen. And Elisha said to the man, you will see it with your eyes, but you will not partake of it. And that's exactly what happened. So experts are faith killers. Listening to experts can be a problem. Does it mean that you shouldn't take facts or you shouldn't take experts? No, that's not what I'm saying. Where God has spoken, you must jettison all those other things. If God does not speak, that's okay. But once God has spoken, the word of God stands supreme. It must be far higher than whatever the experts are saying. Experts have a way of killing our faith. They speak with so much authority because of all the books they have read. But there are things they don't know. They have a finite mind like you and I. Their mind is not infinite like that of God. Also, this expert was trying to make sense of the matter. When you try to make sense of some things that you have heard from God, it will kill your faith. It will weaken your faith. For example, mathematics tells us that 2 plus 2 equals 4. I mean, it's as simple as that. However, God can say to you, when you add 2 and 2 together, you are going to get a 1,000. You'll be wondering, it's just 2. How is that going to be possible? i give you an example. I mentioned that earlier. When the Lord had 5,000 people to feed, it was the launch of one small boy there. That is enough to feed the boy. Two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread, just for the boy. How did he take the launch of one boy and fed 5,000 people? That's faith. You can try to reason it out. Your mind will just bust because it's not possible. 
And the Bible says that after feeding the 5,000, they gathered 12 baskets full of what they could not finish. That's the fragments. They couldn't finish those ones. Those ones were left over. He said, gather them so that nothing is wasted. So it is something they could eat. It's not remnants. It's something they could eat. That's why I said, gather them so that nothing is wasted. How do you reason that? A lot of times we try to make sense of what God is saying. And that's why a lot of people, their faith becomes weakened. Because we are trying to reason. We are trying to make sense of what we're saying. The experts, they have the knowledge, they have the books. They've done their scientific experimentation. They've proven it over centuries. And then God comes with just one word and throws everything overboard. And you're wondering what's going on. Matthew chapter 14, we are looking at the offshoots of facts that kill faith. The faith of many people have been thrown overboard by these things called facts and its offshoots. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27 to 31. This is when the Lord Jesus Christ walked on water to go and meet his disciples who were struggling in the boat. Let me read from verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come and when Peter had come down out of the water, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? What you see, I've told you that earlier, what you see that is contrary to what God says will weaken your faith. So when they saw the Lord walking on water, what is the fact of it? The fact of it is that the mass of man is heavier than water. So man does not walk on water. Man sinks in water. That is the fact. But by faith, Jesus walked on water. The water had to suspend him. The water had to carry him. Water became a road for him. So you cannot be using your mind, your thinking, when God is telling you something. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk not by sight, we walk by faith. We don't walk by what we see. We don't go by what we see with our eyes. No, we go by what God is telling us. A lot of people who say that they are prophets or prophesying, they walk by what they see. They look at the political terrain, for example. They do their own surveys. They weigh so many things. They go on to social media. After gathering all that fact, they say this is the person that will win the election. More often than not, they falter. Because what they are looking at is not what God is saying. And God can tell you that, Forget about all of this and this is the fellow who is going to win the election. Regardless of all the plans that they have. We've seen in the Bible, powerful nations being defeated by weak nations. Why? Because God was on the path of the weak nations. Sometimes we tend to present those nations that are victorious over others as though it's because they are strong. No, it is God that is their strength. The Lord Jesus raised a very important issue here, which is a faith killer. Doubt. He said, why did you doubt? Peter saw the boisterousness of the water. The Bible says that he actually walked on water. He was walking on water. Then with his eyes, he saw the bushes on water and they must have suddenly caught him that, wait a minute, I'm on water. And he began to sing. And the Lord said, why did you doubt? Doubt is questioning God's word, questioning the verity or the veracity and the efficacy of the word of God. Each time we question the word of God, we introduce doubt. Satan will help you to doubt. He will introduce things that will make you to question the word of God. That is what doubt is. It makes us to query God. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let that man not think he's going to receive anything from God. 
Bible tells us that when we ask, we should believe. Doubting nothing. Doubting nothing. Don't entertain those questions when Satan brings it to your mind. Never you entertain them. Be resolute on what God has said. Focus on the word of God, not on the doubt. Because once you focus on the doubt, you know what happens? It begins to weaken your faith. It begins to weaken your resolve. And at the end of the day, you're unable to pull through with whatever it is that God is saying. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 30, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into bands, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit? One cubit is 18 inches. To his stature. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arid or was not clothed, was not dressed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? What are we worried about? Why do we allow anxiety, worry, anxiety, fretting? They weaken your faith. And sadly, the faith of other people. That's why God said to Israel, when you want to go to battle, the commander will go ahead and announce who is among you who is fearful, who is among you who has built a house and has not taken the house, who is it that has married a wife and has not taken hold of his wife, let him return so that he don't weaken the faith of other people because the battle that God engages in is a matter of faith. Worry questions whether God knows what he's saying or what he's doing. That's what worrying does. When you worry, you are actually questioning God. You may not know that that's what you're doing, but that's what you're doing. You're actually questioning God. Because God says, this shall come to pass. And then you start getting worried over a matter because of what you are saying. You are actually questioning God. Your faith in God is being weakened. It's being killed. It's being crushed, as it were. No wonder. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, Philippians 4, 6 to 7, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Are you anxious for anything? Go and talk to God. That matter that is bringing anxiety, take it to God. The Bible says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What God will do, he will now position his peace, as it were, in front of your heart to protect it from any of those things coming in to sway you. And that way, can stand firm on what God has told you and be resolute. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Take your troubles to the Lord and leave it there. He is never going to disappoint you. Just take the thing and drop it there. Worry, anxiety, they weaken your faith. They kill your faith. Just like doubt and fear. In Zechariah chapter 4, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, an angel told Zechariah, said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not by your natural abilities. It's not by military might. It says by the spirit of God. When God asks you to do something, he is not asking you to go and be using all the efforts. No, he is the one who's going to provide the means. And he will do it. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 9. By strength shall no man prevail. No man prevails by his force of strength. No, we prevail because of God. No wonder in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3 to 5, the Bible says, Though we walk in the flesh, yet we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. These weapons may just be words that we are speaking. May just be something that God says we should do. But they are mighty because of God. 
when David picked that stone and that catapult and swung it at Goliath, he took on the strength of God and targeted the only opening on Goliath's helmet. You think a 17-year-old can achieve that? It is God. The weapons of our warfare, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down arguments. Whatever it is that Satan is bringing, the word of God will cast it down. The word of God will cut it down. The word of God will pull it out, will pull you out of whatever prison he has put you in. But when you succumb to military might and to human abilities, your faith is weakened. I know there's this word that's going on that all we do in churches, teaching people to pray. We don't teach people to do this. We don't teach people to go and be strong and to learn this. That is not the point. A lot of people are missing the issue. The point is God can give you a discovery that no other man will ever know. Joseph was in prison. Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh's experts could not tell that dream. It took somebody from prison to come and tell the import of the dream. God can put you in a place where nobody will have the answer, but he will give you the answer. It is not by your might. It is not by your ability. I find it very strange when I find pastors boasting. And I'm wondering, where is this boasting coming from? What is it that you have, the Bible says, that you were not given? Why do we boast? There's no man that can build a church for God. No man can gather people in a place. It is God who brings people. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 verse 47 that God kept moving people into the church as many as ought to be saved. So all these stories of, oh, we will teach you church planting. We will teach you how to grow church. Who are those people? Where do they come from? That is the flesh. It has nothing to do with the spirit of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. The Bible says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money, covetousness, greed is a faith killer. It kills your faith. This pursuit of money dampens, weakens, and eventually kills your faith. It puts you in a situation where you cannot do anything. All you are focusing is money, money. I need money for this. I need money for this. Oh, I need 10 billion for this. I need 50 billion for this. Eventually, you get into corrupt practices. You get into lies and all kinds of deceitful things. Whereas, God can still do that thing without the 10 billion. And it will seem as if it's 10 billion. And if you actually need 10 billion, God can provide it. However, he's going to provide it. The point is, what has God told you? There are other faith killers. Feelings. Where you are trusting the flesh over the spirit. We are putting facts before faith. Instead of faith before facts. False teachings. False teachings have a goal. The goal is to turn you away from God. So when you are listening to false teachings, you are going to find yourself weak in the faith. There are so many things that people are doing today. I don't know where we get these things from. It's not scriptural. Where are you getting coconut that you are breaking from? Where are you getting, go and touch this, go and touch that from? Where are you getting anointing oil from? Where are you getting piece of cloth from? Where are you getting these things from? The moment it is something you can see, faith ends. Faith is about what you cannot see. Faith is about trusting God. These pastors should stop these things. Don't forget, we are going back to basics. You need to put your trust in God. Why can you not go to church and just hear the word of God and live by it? Why must you come back with oil? Why must you come back with a handkerchief? Some of you have gone to churches where you have mantles of different colors hanging in your bedroom. You cannot trust God otherwise. Those things have become idols. That's idolatry from false teachers. Let me tell you something about false teachers. They were teaching truth before. Then they were deceived in their heart and they began to teach falsely. Historical antecedent is also a faith weakener. We only believe what has happened before. As at the time that Abraham was trusting God, it had never happened before that a woman that had been certified barren at the age of 99, uh, 89 rather, will bring forth a child at the age of 90. It had never happened, but it happened. 
Today, if you hear that a woman of 70 has given birth, we say, hey, hey, but it happened before. The problem we are having in Christendom is we don't trust God. That's the simple truth. We like to be mesmerized. We look at historical antecedents. I call a lot of pastors Christian scientists. Oh, this happened before. We try to replicate what has happened before. God does a new thing. He said, behold, I do a new thing. It may never have happened before. You just might be that one person that God is going to use to make history. That this is the first person that this thing happened. So don't allow the fact that something has never happened before to weaken your faith. No! Be strengthened. It has never happened before. Fantastic. It means you are most likely going to be the first that that thing will happen based on the word of God. Then there's disobedience. Disobedience is actually the result of rebellion or rejection of God's word. When people rebel against the word of God, they are disobedient to God. So it's the result of rejecting the word of God. And once you reject the word of God, obviously, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, in rejecting the word of God, you have rejected faith. Then there's impatience or lack of perseverance. Not willing to wait on God. Not willing to trust God. We just want to get things going because we are eager. But those who wait on the Lord, the Bible says they will not make haste. Those who wait on the Lord, they will not be impatient. They wait. There is a calmness when you are waiting on God. Of course, there is sin. Sin is a faith killer any day. And what is sin? Living contrary to the word of God. You will discover in all that we've said that the essence of killing one's faith is despising the word of God and elevating some other person's word or some other thing that you can see. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, when we look at the story of Adam and Eve, Eve was listening to what Satan was saying through the serpent. And she was reasoning in her mind. Now, wait a minute. It's true. But when you look at that story very well, you discover that in Genesis chapter 2, God already said some of the things that the devil said. But there was one thing that God did not say that the devil said, and Eve believed it. The Bible says that every tree that was planted was good for food. It was even good to look at. So there was nothing new about it. But God said of one tree, do not eat of this tree. Now, Satan went to serpent and said to Adam, you see that one tree, the day you eat of it, you will be as wise as God. God knows that you'll be like him. That's why he wants you not to be like him. Go and eat it, you'll be like him. And that was the problem. Many of us are holding the word of Satan more than the word of God. The words of men more than the word of God. There are many people who say they are Christians today. They believe what their pastor has said, which is not in the Bible more than what is in the Bible. That is why you see some pastors say some things and you are wondering, and we are talking of prominent men. Let us stop making excuses for these men. This is why they continue to do these things. Why do you bring artifacts to the church for people to touch or people to look at? You are not building their faith. You are destroying them. You are damaging their faith. You are killing their faith. The church is a place where we come to have our faith built up. We tell people, if you will not listen to the word of God, there's no other thing that we can do. Hear the word of God. That is a discipline we must give to the believer. That it is the word of God that is the issue. But we say we want to help their faith. We tell them to bring oil. We tell them to bring handkerchief. We tell them to bring this. We tell them to bring that. We bring a chair. We bring an agbada. We bring a stick. We bring coconut. We bring whatever and tell them to come and touch. How are you helping their faith? You are killing their faith. That's why we have the state of the church as it is today. We are believers have no faith in God anymore. Their faith is to their pastor. Their faith is in that church. Men and brethren, we need to get back to faith towards God. We need to identify these faith killers that are offshoots from the stem of facts and are killing our faith. The Lord Jesus asked the question in Luke chapter 18. After he had said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. He asked in verse 8 of Luke chapter 18. However, when the Son of Man shall return, shall he find faith? That's a vital question today. 
if the Lord comes today, shall he find you in faith? Shall he find the church still in faith? Are you still in the faith? Or have you yielded to unbelief? Yielded to your present circumstance? To science? To reasoning and rational thinking? To fear, fright, discouragement, despair? To the experts? To thinking about whether this is possible or that is not possible? Have you yielded to sight rather than to the word of God? Are you doubting the word of God? Are you worried and anxious? Are you trusting in your natural abilities or some degree or something that you have? Is your love for money bringing you to the place where you are piercing yourself through and destroying your faith? Are you trusting your feelings, believing your false teachers and their false teachings, looking at whether something has happened before or not, before you believe that it can happen over the word of God? Are you rebellious to the word of God and disobeying it just because you see other people doing the same wrong things? You think it is right because God has not killed any one of them. You believe it is right? If you change when you see God kill somebody because of something wrong, then there's something wrong with you. You have no faith in the first place. It's fear that's making you to believe. Are you impatient? Are you living contrary to the word of God? At the end of the day, fact is a major faith killer. Just like physical and scientific evidence are. The evidence that we need as Christians is the word of God. Let me tell you something. If you don't know how to hear from God, faith killers will kill your faith. You need to go back to some of our teachings earlier on when we spoke about hearing from God. Hearing from God is not just hearing the word of God. It's about understanding the character of God, the nature of God. Because Satan can also quote the word of God to you, but you should be able to tell the voice of God, the nature of God. God, for example, cannot tell you to divorce your wife and marry another person. God cannot tell you that. That's Satan. God cannot tell you to marry another woman while your wife is still alive, even if she has gone somewhere else. You may be a great preacher. You may be a crowd puller. But if you are living in a second or third marriage while your first wife is alive, my brother, you're a sinner. Truth of the matter is that the church must return to faith toward God. Remember, we are going back to basics. We have lost so many things in the church. We have lost faith towards God. We are going our own way and doing our own thing. And the body is being weakened every day by facts. We are now in competition with the world. We have no business being in competition with the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. So we don't take our dictates from them. The Bible says, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How do you know the will of God when you are still in the world? You are supposed to come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing and be separate and the Lord will receive you. Brethren, let me stop here. I want to challenge you. Go over what we have just spoken of. Look deep in your heart. It's time to begin to root out this faith weakness and faith killers. There's only one solution to it. Trust the word of God. I think there's that song which came from Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. It is time for us to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what do you say to your servant? What do you say to me? What are your instructions to me? What are you saying to me to do today? What would you have me to do today? We need to get to the place where we are hearing from God again. It is only when we do the word of God that our faith in God increases. Until we meet next week, God bless you and goodbye.